here's the thing. Today, we are diving really, really deep. So I've brought for you some proverbial um, oxygen tanks that uh, if you need to take some oxygen in, because we're going below sea level today, you can do that. So I want to just give a quick disclaimer about that, because um, I know that there's things I'm going to say today that very much you might be like, I don't agree with that. And you know what? I'm okay with that. My hope today is that you would just think about what I'm saying. Can we all just agree to do that? And if you think about it and you land somewhere else, totally fine, okay? So now that I've gotten that out of, way, out of the way, I want to um, restart. So hold on, okay, I'm going to sit down. Now we're going to start the message. Pretend like this is Grant, who has no voice, introducing me. Uh, it's going to be a great message. What do you say when you introduce me? Um, you know, here comes Rachel. Everybody give her a hand clap. It's amazing. All right. Hold on, hold on. It didn't work. Time out. Here we go. Now you can clap again. Ready? So now, what I need you to do, in all honesty, is turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm feeling good about this message, or I'm feeling really bad about what's about to happen. Gut level honesty. From that introduction, you just tell them, man, I'm feeling good. That's exciting to me. Or what did I do? I thought I was going to Bethel OKC and I ended up at some super weird place. All right, did you tell them? Okay, here we go. We're going to do one more try. Okay, I'm going to sit back down. Um, here we come, Rachel Wartman, going to bring an amazing message of all these amazing things. Okay, you guys can clap. Um, okay, here we go. All right, now you know the drill. Turn to your neighbor. How are you feeling now? Feeling good about the message? Feeling like this is crap? What did I come here for? Just be gut level honest. I want to hear you tell them. Scale of one to 10, I'm excited about the worship series or holy moly, what did I do? All right, so now that you've shared that with them, sound is a really interesting thing, right? Sound is actually language without words. And so today what we're going to be doing is we're going to talk about sound from actually a whole bunch of angles, and we're going to tie it into how it plays into worship and how we encounter the Lord. So imagine with me, I've got one more sound to show you. Imagine with me, you're in a hallway, okay? You're in an upstairs hallway. If you don't have a second story in your house, just pretend you're in an old upstairs hallway, and you're walking to the closet to get a towel, okay? You can picture that in your mind. And then you hear this sound. All of you that have your eyes completely bugged out, you just discovered something amazing about yourself, which is that your sound is actually connected to your soul. Did you know that? You just had an emotional response to a pattern of sound that has been stored in your mind. I didn't tell you there was something ominous at the end of the hallway. I told you there was a bath towel down there. But the second that you hear that, now all of a sudden your brain starts filtering through all the files and goes, oh, when I hear suspenseful music, something scary is about to happen, and it automatically triggered some fear in you. Raise your hand, be honest, if you felt fear, a little bit of fear triggering you. It's great. Some of you guys are so tough. It takes a lot more sounds to trigger fear in you. That's okay. But this is what I think is so interesting about sound. It has this ability to to connect with us in a way that, um, that words can't, that visual things can't, sound is really striking, isn't it? So again, today what we're going to do is we're going to explore sound, and I'm basically going to like pivot around the topic of sound like this. So if you start to feel like none of this is connected, it will be connected in a minute. 
or at the end. But here's what I want us to do first, is to look at how all of life really revolves around sound, okay? All of life actually revolves around sound. Now, here we go. We're diving deep. We're going, pressure is coming in, and you're, you know, going below sea level. I want to talk to you for a second about something called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. Now, before I do this, I need to go ahead and tell you that I am not a physicist or a scientist, so I only know enough to make myself sound like I know a lot about it. That's about the extent, so don't think that I'm you know, I didn't actually even do well in my physics class in high school, but I understand this enough to know that quantum physics is this idea that all of matter, like what we would call like this is matter, is actually energy or frequency that is vibrating at such a low rate you can see it, okay? Let me read you an Albert Einstein quote. All right, you didn't know you were coming to church today. You were like, wow, I thought I was coming to church, but I'm coming to school. What did you do to me? So just bear with me. This is an Einstein quote, and in fact, this is Albert Einstein um, confirming what Nicholas Tesla, if you're familiar with him, had been discovering as well. And it says this, what we have called matter is energy. Energy whose vibration has been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses, there is no matter. Now, this is where it gets weird for a second, and I, I know that, but all that you can see is actually essentially sound. It is frequencies and waves that is vibrating that you can actually perceive it. Now, wait a second, this gets like, is this quack science? No, it's actually real science and it's biblical too because God actually created the world through what? Through sound. I'm a creationist, okay, that means I believe Genesis 1, that's how I believe the world was created. I have no questions about that. I don't buy into evolution, you know, just small tangent for you. In my opinion, if, any there, if there ever is like, you know, a visible tie between species, it's because God created all of them, and so God is the tie. Can we just like acknowledge that, at least in my opinion? I don't know how Darwin missed that part. Um, but there's never been any real scientific support for the Darwin theory. There isn't. Any type of connection is because God created that. And then you can look at, well, what about the Big Bang Theory? And I look at the Big Bang Theory and I'm like, that might be possible, but here's my explanation for the Big Bang Theory. There was nothing, and then a voice spoke into a void, and an entire solar system was created in one moment. That's what Genesis 1 tells us. That's a Big Bang. Right? It's a fairly simple explanation to one of science's greatest mysteries. God spoke, and through sound, the entire world was created. Through sound, time was created when God spoke day and night. Through sound, creation was created when he separated the waters from the sea. Home was created through sound to make creatures on land, creatures in the sea. Are you guys tracking with me? Sound is so important, and it actually is the center of everything. I get really excited about this. All right, what has sounds? Actually, there's been new waves of science where they have these machines that they can listen to the frequencies that life is emitting. So the ground, they have these machines, they can translate the ground and they can hear sound. I watched a video where they listen to the sound that a strawberry makes. Because again, everything is creating a frequency. And so they put this little machine up to it and you can actually hear it. Did you know, in fact, your DNA makes a sound? It actually is a song. Okay. <laughs> the oxygen's over here if you need some more. I want to talk to you a little bit more about quantum physics. I, I'm familiar with a man named Charlie Champ. He's a, a prophet the Lord's using really interestingly in the nations. And um, I don't know him personally, but I've been kind of following some of the words he has and how they get fulfilled. It's really fascinating. 
And he was telling this testimony about the Lord taking him to China. And in China, he was invited to a room of physicists and quantum mechanics experts, and they are spending all of their resources to turn, I believe it was a ballpoint pen, into a cell phone. What? That might sound like quack science, but these are leading industry minds who are so convinced this is possible that they're spending so much resource to make that happen. If you can't understand what that would be like, imagine Star Trek when Data walks up to the microwave in the wall and he's, well, he didn't really eat. So Captain Kirk walks up to the microwave on the wall and he's like, I want a cheeseburger from 1980 with a Dr. Pepper. And then, and it's formed, and it's formed in all of the substance that a cheeseburger has. Something that was nothing was now created into something else through this like mysterious thing. You guys tracking with me? So before I sound super weird, actually, let me finish telling you the story. So Charlie is in this room, and um, they're talking about breaking the quantum code, and he, he was invited by one man in the room, and he just has this moment with the Holy Spirit, and he says, uh, oh, so you're trying to break the quantum code. He says, I actually know somebody who did that. Well, immediately, they're all like, wait, what? And they're using a translator, obviously, because all these people speak Chinese, and they said, um, who is it? And he goes, well, his name's Jesus. And he said, if you want to know how to break the quantum code, you need to know him, because he's the one who holds that code. Okay, let me explain this to you. I can see your eyes are glazing over. Let's come back from school. Let's look, I want to look at, let's see, we've got like six, I don't know, eight different stories where Jesus broke the quantum code, okay? You might not have looked at it like that, but that's what's really happening. I can't show you these on the screen, but if you're interested, you can write down these references and you can look at them. So we're not going to dive into the actual literal part of the story. I'm just going to tell you the reference. The first one, John 2, verses 1 through 11. Jesus turns water into wine. Something that is one substance, H2O, two hydrogen molecules, one oxygen molecule, and he completely turns it into an entirely different substance that is fully aged, amazing, top-shelf wine. That's a miracle, and it's a miracle of manipulating frequencies through sound. Okay, here we go. Number two, Luke 4, 29 through 30, Jesus walks on water. He comes to the water, and he manipulates the molecular structure so that now it's a surface he can stand on, and not just him, but who? Peter. So we all could actually, through this understanding, do that too. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Sorry, that's the one where Jesus is walking on water. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Luke 4, 29 through 30 is this really interesting story where this is right after we shared last week or two weeks ago about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Right after that story, Jesus is being run out of town. The people are so mad at him. They're actually pushing him to a cliff to push him off the cliff. It's a mob, and they're determined to kill him. And then there's this really obscure verse where it says, Jesus miraculously walked through the crowd. Okay, any 90s kids here, like you were in high school in the 90s, anybody? For the mosh pit phase, anybody moshers? If you've ever been in a mosh pit, it's not pleasant. Imagine a mosh pit pushing you towards the edge of a cliff, and then somehow miraculously you're able to get through that crowd to safety. It wasn't because the people all of a sudden were like, Oh, go ahead, Jesus. It says he miraculously walked through them. Now, one interpretation of this, and I know this is really weird, okay, is that he was able to manipulate his molecular structure or his frequency to pass through them. It wouldn't be the only time that he does that. 
Matthew 17, 1 through 8, where Jesus has his transfiguration. It's the same thing that's happening. John 20, 19 through 21, Jesus appears in the upper room, a locked room. He appears in the flesh, so much so to say, Thomas, stick your finger in my wound. You guys know this story? Some people say he walked through a wall. It doesn't say he walked through the wall, but there's an implication that maybe he did. Somehow he was able, I love one person says it this way, Jesus can walk up to a wall, perceive the frequency, adjust himself accordingly, and walk through. Because he's God. But also, because if everything is a sound, if everything is frequency, then it opens up a whole new level of understanding. Let's see. Um, okay, John chapter 20, verse 15. Jesus appears to Mary, and he appears to her after the tomb uh, in disguise. And then she hears his voice, and she can understand him. And then again, Jesus appears to the two on the road in Luke 24, 13, and he's disguised again. It's him. It's physically him, but he has adjusted himself to where they can't see him. Now, what does all this have to do with anything? Here's what I want us to understand. First of all, there is a scientific and logical explanation for any miracle that can be. Okay, we just might not understand it yet. What I think is fascinating about when Jesus changed water into wine is that he reached, he understands how the world is created. And so when he did that miracle, he was doing something that won't be proved to be possible for years and years to come. But if all of life is designed around frequency and Jesus is the son of God, then Jesus knows the sound of God's frequency more than anyone right? So if he can tune in to the frequency of God that is creation, that brings creation, then so can we. I'm not necessarily saying let's all go try to walk on water, although maybe, I don't know. But I am saying we need to get our minds out of a small thinking and into a big thinking of this is actually possible. It is a miracle. I don't want this to sound like robbing the glory of the miracle whatsoever because it is a miracle. But Jesus himself said, you can do more than me. So we can't look at these miracles as something that we'll never attain to. We have to look at them as something that's like the floor. Like his ceiling became our floor and we can build on it. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you, and I know it's strange, but it's because I think if we can understand there's understanding around these things, then we can build our faith in such a way that we can respond to his leading and actually see the greater things in our lifetime. All right. I want to change gears one more time. I want to talk about the power of thought for just a second. This is something Grant and I have been talking about. I think we've shared this with you guys before as well um, for about a year now. The power of thought. And it's, it's, have you ever said this phrase, I've never thought about it that way before? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Everybody has at one point or another. You're going this way with your life. All of a sudden, somebody introduces you to a thought, and all of a sudden you go, I didn't even realize there was this side of the room. I never thought about it that way. Thought has so much power to shape and direct us. Most of our thoughts are introduced through what? Through sound. Through somebody speaking to you and telling you something else. So sound is super powerful. Let's talk about the power of the sound for a second. Okay, so when Jesus tells us to go and heal the sick, you guys know this, I've shared this with you before. He did not say, when you go out and you see a sick person, beg me to maybe heal them someday. Right? That's not what he said. He goes, heal them. Oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> it's so easy, right? It's not. If you've ever tried to pray for healing for someone, you know it's, it's fairly awkward. But most of his healings, not all of them, but a lot of the healings Jesus did, he did it through what? Through sound. He spoke, and it did something. Okay, guys. 
We're diving a little bit deeper. If we can speak, if God can speak and create life, and we are made in his image, then when we speak, our sound carries so much weight, especially if we are speaking in his frequency. Do you understand? Sometimes we're just speaking, just like, hey, do you want to, you know, get a burger later? Yeah, let's do that. And it's just talking, right? It's just a burger. But sometimes it's speaking the word of the Lord. It's partnering with God, getting in line with that. And those words have so much power. I think that's what's happening when we look at these miracles and Jesus is speaking to conditions and he's getting into God's frequency and a quantum code is broken in that moment and a healing happens or a miracle happens. I've seen this with my own eyes a whole bunch. The first time I learned how to speak to a condition was the most top three most awkward moments of my life. And we were praying for this person. We were in like a workshop learning how to do physical healing. And the teacher came by and he goes, okay, now there was two of us. And then we were praying for somebody who had displaced hips. So one of their legs was like a whole inch shorter than the other. And she would have to go to physical therapy where they would spend an hour every week unwinding the tension in her hip to get her legs the same so her back wouldn't hurt. It was crazy. And so she wants healing, clearly. And so my friend and I are, are standing there, and this guy walks by, and he goes, okay, one of you speak to her leg and tell it to grow. And we kind of did the whole look at each other, like, one, two, three, not it kind of thing. Like, I don't want to do that. That's so, so weird. And so I'm staring at her, and she's staring at me, and we're near about to do rock, paper, scissors, and she finally goes, I'll do it. And I was like, okay, good. And so we're sitting there, and she goes, she comes up to the leg, and she's like, do I put my face next to it? Like, what do I do? And if you've ever been in a setting like this, you know you're trying to wrap your mind around what is this? Like, what does this even mean? And he starts, the director starts laughing at us, and he's like, no, just speak to it. And so she gets, this is exactly what she looks like. She gets crouched down. She's crouching on the ground next to this leg, and she's like, leg, grow. Now, I kid you not, this leg goes, like that. And we both go, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, did you see that? And the girl who was being prayed for, her eyes, she just starts bawling because she's like, you don't understand. It's an hour of therapy every week I have to go to to make this happen that God did in an instant through what? Through the power of sound, through sound. Since then, I've seen five or six legs grow. One of them was my own. I didn't speak to it. Somebody else did. It was just a super weird experience. Um, when I was pregnant with Grace, I was having all this back pain. It's because I had the same thing. My hips were all out of alignment. And this guy goes, I'm going to do something weird. And I'm like, hey, you know, go for it because I've said that same thing to many a person. And, uh, and my leg grew. And it was shocking. I can't really believe I told you guys that. But um, there you go. But I've also seen scoliosis healed. I've seen four or five different people's backs completely snap straight. One of them, we could hear it. It was the grossest sound ever. And we were praying over her. There was five of us in the room. And we were praying over her. And we, were, we just spoke to her back to be healed in the name of Jesus. And it goes, I don't know how that, I can't replicate the sound. I won't be able to forget it. But I can't replicate it. And her back, which was curved, it wasn't that dramatic, goes totally straight. Through what? Through sound. Is it because my sound is more important than some? No. It's about getting into God's frequency. When Jesus does what he sees the Father doing, when he speaks what he hears the Father saying, it's about aligning your heart with God's heart and then operating out of that place, and he puts his supernatural on your natural, and crazy things happen, often through the power of sound. Just let that sink in for just a second. If God's sound has the power to create 
and we're made in his image, and our, our sound has the power to create. Then verses like Psalm 22, verse 3, where it talks about how he enthroned, our praises enthrone him. There's different translations to it, but that our praises build a throne that he inhabits. So if our sound is like his sound, then our sound has the ability to create matter, at least spiritual matter, so much so that God can come and sit on what we speak out. All right, we're acclimating. Should we go deeper? I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) 1,000%. All right, here we go. Okay, so I want to share, I want to change gears again, all right? We're we're coming around this concept of sound and how it pertains to worship. So I want to share something that's been burning on my heart for a while. And honestly, it's been burning on my heart for about 10 years, but it just, you know, it comes in cycles. The things you're passionate about, they reawaken, and I'm having this happen to me right now, and it's this. It's what are we doing with church, okay? And here's why I ask that. My question to you, my first question today is, what do you think is happening in your life when you come to church? So pastors will tell you there's a statistic out there that people are becoming less and less interested in coming to church every Sunday. You all know that. I know that too. Not judging you, just saying. But there's a thing. It's a thing where we're being spiritually fed from so many different things that we don't always feel like we need to go to church, right? And I think there's some good things in that where we've sort of let go of that condemnation that we're going to go to hell if you miss a Sunday, like, because that's not true. But there's also some things where I think we misunderstand what's happening when we're in the room. And so I want to talk about sound in this way, that you are, you have a sound and you are a sound. If even your DNA is singing a song that God can hear, then what you offer just by being you is absolutely paramount in this world. And what you offer when you are in this room actually matters. It actually changes things. It takes us deeper. You might be sitting there and thinking, well, I'm not really sure. Is that true? Is that not true? But I'm telling you, because of how you operate, just because of who you are, because of how God coded your being, Your sound contributes something. And so we have to stop thinking about church as something that I do because I feel good about myself when I go. We have to completely debunk this idea that I show up on a Sunday morning and I check the box, I feel a little bit better about myself, and then I go on and live my own life. Now, you should go on and live your own life with the Lord. That's a good thing, right? That we're focusing on our time with God outside of the walls of the church. That's a good thing. That's what we should be doing. But we also have to understand that when we come together collectively, something dramatic is happening. I want us to look at it like this. I think that the church, the the progression of the church over the last 50 years has really taken on the idea of like being intellectually stimulated. We've sort of, church culture has borrowed college culture. Like you come in, you sit down, you observe a lecture, and then you leave and go on your way. And then you might pass a test if you're quick, you know, if you're quick study, or you might not, and then you just keep staying in the same place of your life. I think all of that is, like, not church at all. That's not what church is supposed to be. That's not what God designed it for. But if you've ever had a teacher, I don't know if you went to college or you had a cookie teacher in high school, that cookie teacher where you walk in, you're ready to sit in the back, and they've circled the desks, 
know what I'm talking about? You walk in, you're like, what is this? I was thinking I was going to like, you know, dissolve into the wall and pretend like I'm not here. And you're going to make me sit together. And they call it the Socratic method off of Socrates in ancient Greece. And it's this idea that we learn best by being in a circle and contributing to each other. Anybody? Is this just me? Am I the only one that has had kooky? I've had like five of these teachers where you walk in, you're like, what is this? And they're like, we're going to contribute together today. And you're like, I came for a lecture. I was not. I'm not ready for that. And they go, sit down and you have to contribute, right? I think, I'm not going to circle the chairs today, but I think that the church is a little bit more like the Socratic method than it is like a lecture. It's supposed to be where you come knowing that you're going to contribute. Now, I'm not going to like spontaneously make you contribute when you thought you were coming to a lecture, but in all honesty, you guys didn't come here because you thought you were going to just, you know, absorb into the wall. That's not the kind of church that we are. But I think it would be amazing if we could see church culture become something where we show up and we show up to get filled up because we've been giving out throughout our week. And as we get filled up, we actually experience something of God. And then we go and we give that out to the people in our sphere, to our kids, to our boss, to our job, to our Starbucks barista, to the, if you're a McDonald's fan, to your McDonald's lady, you know, every once in a while I get breakfast at McDonald's because it's good. And the lady, you know, she knows me and it's weird. And every time I feel this sense of shame, like, should I know you? But then I'm like, but we're friends now, right? Because I don't know why Grant and I keep buying houses with a McDonald's just right around the corner. It's like the closest thing. Help us, Lord. But the person that you see the most, you make friends with them, and then you give out to them what you are experiencing. And here's what happens. The more that you give, the more that you receive, the more that you receive, your capacity begins to increase. And then we become like what Paul talks about in Ephesians 3.22. We get to become the place of his dwelling place. We get to become the vessel to inhabit that he inhabits. And you already are, and yet you are becoming that. Let me put it to you like this. When David has that great moment where um, he says, you know, I'll be more undignified than this. You guys know that story? You guys have heard me said, you know, you know it's a bad thing when your wife meets you in the car. Like, she doesn't even wait for you to get in the house. She comes out to the front yard. She's so mad. That's what McCall is doing. She's, like, been watching He's coming. I'm ready. I'm going to go let him have it. He's such an idiot. That's modern day language to what she was saying. And she walks out there and she's like, David, you fool. You're making an idiot out of yourself. And he looks at her and he goes, I'm going to become even more undignified than this. You guys know that? I think one of the things he was saying is, oh, you think this looks bad? I have no intention of stopping here. And not to get weirder for weirdness sake, but I think he's going, I have no intention of stopping here in my love for God. The more that I give myself to God, the more I grow. And the more I grow, the more I have to give. And the more I have to give, the more I grow. And the more I grow, I'm going to become more undignified than this. Meaning, I'm going to let myself go in the presence of God because I'm not really going to care what you think. And I'm not going to care what you think, not because I don't love you, but because I am so filled with him, I lose sight of the room around me. That's what church is supposed to be. But you have to use your sound to experience that for yourself. You can't come in expecting to be intellectually stimulated only and then have an increased capacity. So you have to use your sound. I truly believe the church is supposed to be experiential. It's supposed to be applicable. We're supposed to do things like we did today where you go and you go pray for somebody. You use your sound to see something happen. Isn't that amazing? The two healings that we had this morning happened because some of you guys used your sound. You tuned in your frequency with God. Three healings right here, a little pocket of glory that happened and boom. Not because the people who are the pastors did it, but because you guys did it. 
That's amazing. That's the kingdom. That's the Bible coming to life. I recognize that for some of you guys, you feel like, I don't, I don't really have much to offer. And I get that. And, you know, if you know me at all, you know that one of my greatest passions in life is giving people the freedom to be yourself and to be authentic about where you are. It does us no good if you're pretending to be farther down the road than you really are. Can we just be honest about that? It does us no good if you come in and you're like, I got this figured out, you know, let me be on the prayer team. And then you leave and you go home and you're not even sure if you're saved. That's not like a healthy thing, right? But what is healthy is to come and go, you know what, Lord, I might not be able to authentically say, I love you. I may not be able to authentically say, um, I want to build my life on you, but I can authentically say, you are God. That might be all you've got today. You might be able to just say, I can authentically say, Jesus, you are the savior of the world. You are the son of God. Past that, we talk about, you know, you're a good, good father. Those words don't come out of my mouth with authenticity. Sometimes that's where we're at. It might not feel, you know, I'm, hopefully this is okay for me to tell you guys this. I'm just telling you the truth. I remember seasons of my life, and I've got close friends that went through these seasons too, where songs like Good, Good Father or that one, you're never going to let me down, and you're singing it, and, all the whole, and the whole time you're thinking to yourself, oh, that is not true. Anybody ever had that happen? Because you're, and you're not being authentic, and you're, or you're trying to be authentic. What I'm talking about is I want you to be honest about where you are. Sometimes we declare it because we're trying to believe it, and that's a good thing, but we also can be saying, hey, you know what, God? In my personal time with you, I feel like you've only let me down. <laughs> that's the way that I would sing that song. But what I can say is this. I can acknowledge that you are God. I can acknowledge that you are with me. I can acknowledge you wrote the Bible, whatever it is. And we start there. And then what we do is we give that to God. We invest our sound into him. How do I know this is something God wants us to do? It's because he gives us multiple examples in scripture. Jesus himself, where he shows us that what little we have is important to him. Do you guys remember the widow with the two mites? All, that's all she's got to offer. And you know what Jesus does? He rallies the troops to behold her sacrifice. He doesn't make a spectacle of her, but he makes a point to say, hey, this matters. She's showing up and she's given what little she has and she's doing it because she trusts me and she loves me. And that's amazing. And then he, he tells us that story with the little kid with the Lunchable, you know? Five loves and the two fish. I don't know, do your kids eat Lunchables? Mine do. They, like, live by them. Um, but, you know, I just have to say, there's 5,000 people on this hill plus women and children. And if you know moms at all, you know that kid was not the only kid with a snack. Like, let's just be realistic here. He was the only kid who had the guts to say, do you want to do something with this God? I just cannot believe of all of those people, not one other person brought a snack with them. But he was the one who said, listen, I don't have very much. And I'm sure everybody else that had a snack was going, I got this Lunchable. There's like five crackers in here, a couple slices of gross processed meat and, and an Oreo. Like, do you want this, God? <laughs> right? They're only a dollar. Sometimes they go on sale. So, you know, you can go buy one for yourself. <laughs> but that's what this kid does. He's like, I've got this Lunchable, God. Do you want to do something with it? And Jesus is like, yes, because you're giving me what you actually have. I'm going to give you baskets of bounty extra. I'm going to take your little Lunchable and I'm going to turn it into Subway, right? I'm going to take your water. I'm going to make it top shelf wine. Like that's what God does. But you know what he gets mad about? We don't talk about the things get mad, that God gets mad about very often, do we? But they're in there. There's some things in the Bible where he's like, I'm not happy about that. And one of them is when you hoard the one thing you have. 
Ooh, we got to see Jesus be hot about that one talent guy, poor guy. But that one talent guy is just like you and me going, all I have is this like lunchable. What's that, what, what good is that going to do? He's all the other people on the hill who brought their own snack who are secretly, <laughs> oh, the disciples are hungry? Oh, cool. I'm use my hair to hide that I'm eating my snack that I brought so you can't see, right? He, he, he gets so mad at this one talent guy, he actually says he's going to take away what you don't use. Like, ouch, God, for real? I thought wisdom was to like, you know, hold on to my stuff. And the Lord's like, if you don't use what you have, then you can't get more. That's just what it is. So if we're talking about using your sound, then you have to be authentic about where you are. Here's where I'm at, God. I don't know that I can trust you, but I do know that you're God. And then we would say at times, we would go, well, this feels insignificant, so I don't want to use this because I just feel like I'm so far behind where I'm supposed to be. Anybody understand this? And so then we don't use it, and then the Lord condemns that. But what we do need to do is say, this is where I met God. I can say you're God, but I can also say I'm really mad at you or I'm really frustrated or I just don't understand or whatever the case may be for you. And you come to him authentically with what you have, with your one kernel of corn. You don't even have a mini cob. You just have that one kernel of corn and you give it to God. And the more you give it to God, he gives you that mini cob back. Now all of a sudden you got this little thing you can put skewers in. It's really cute. And then you keep eating that little, that little thing and you get a big cob. And then you keep eating that big cob and you keep giving it to the Lord. And then you get a whole field of corn you can actually feed people with. That's what the kingdom is like. But if you don't use what you have now, I'm just telling you, you're not going to get more. And I'm saying that because I love you. I'm saying that because I want every person in this room to have a giant field of harvest of the more because you used your sound. It doesn't have to look like me when I use my sound. Please don't let it because I'm me and, and you're not me, thank God. And vice versa. You've got to be authentically who you are using who you are to be. I want to, I want to share it to you this way. Ezekiel 28, I think it's verse 13, has this really interesting um, scripture where most scholars believe it's talking about Lucifer. It's talking about the devil before he was kicked out of heaven. And it's describing him. And it describes him with these jewels encrusted and these settings. It has this word in English, it's called settings. That word is actually, uh, I, I forget if it's Greek or Hebrew, but it's, it's called troph, and it's actually an instrument. It's actually a musical instrument. So what that's saying is that this being, it was, he had jewels encrusted in him, and he also had like pipes, essentially pipes encrusted into him. What that means is that Lucifer, as a head-worshiping angel in the Bible, he was a sound. He wasn't just able to worship. He was worship. So when the wind of God would blow, God would play him his being. And as he would play him, worship would go to God. It's fascinating and weird at the same time. But I just have this feeling that he's not the only one made to be a living instrument. It wasn't just him, and then now it's too bad. That was cool, but too bad, because, you know, we don't, we don't let him into heaven anymore, so nobody gets to experience that. I think you and I have music or worship beings, worship, um, how do I say that, like avenues of worship built into who we are that we have a sound to use, but we also are a sound. And so when the Holy Spirit comes and moves in us and we allow him to move through us, God gets this type of glory he can't get any other way. He's not trying to use you. He's longing to hear you. Do you understand the difference? 
He's not trying to make you do something so that he can get glory from you. He's, he's wanting to commune with you so that when he blows on who you are and the essence or the sound, the frequency of who you are ascribes up to his throne and he is so moved because he created you, because he loves you, because he's with you, and because he's in you. It's a pretty phenomenal thing to think about. So last time we talked about worship, we talked about, is worship for you an event or is it an identity? Is it who you are? It should be who you are. We have to sort of retrain our minds that worship is not just music. It's not just Hillsong or the latest Bethel album or the, you know, the latest whoever you like to listen to, Elevation Worship. It's not just that. It's an identity of devotion. And so if we're talking about the sounds of worship, then we have to get it into our mind that we don't just contribute a sound to the worship set. We actually are a sound. We actually are a sound by being in the room. I want to share one more thing um, before we get really weird. (laughs) So preface. Put your seatbelts on if you need that. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about the gift of tongues just for a second. I think this is a really good analogy. So um, I love the gift of tongues. I don't like to talk about the gift of tongues because it's weird. And who wants to be that person who talks about the gift of tongues, you know? But if I'm being honest, the gift of tongues has been one of the greatest blessings in my life. And so when I finally resolved that if it's in the Bible, I would like to have that for myself. This was, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. I said, Lord, I need the gift of tongues, and, um, and it didn't happen right away, and I was frustrated because I like things now. And, um, and I remember my pastor saying, he was doing a message about it, and he said, listen, sometimes when you get the gift of tongues, you only get one syllable. You only get like ta or ba or la. And he goes, and your tendency might be to not use that until you get more, because who wants to walk around going like, ta, 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 oh, don't worry about me, I'm just praying in tongues, like, not trying to throw down a beat, I'm just praying in tongues, you know, and, uh, or if you got ba, like, bless your soul, because you're, like, walking around like a sheep, you know, it's just uncomfortable, and, uh, and so what he was saying was, listen, you have to use it, and the more you use that one syllable, God will add to you, so bless God, amen, I received three syllables when I received the gift of tongues, and I was like, well, that stinks, God, I can't even remember what they were now, but there were three syllables, and I'm not even going to try to, you know, you just know that that joke's so off topic, like, should have bought a Honda, but about a Nissan, you know, when you're like pretending to speak in tongues, so I could do that um, right now to tell you what the three syllables were, but I won't, because that would be, pull us back in, so, um, but what happened was I got these three syllables, and we would be in these prayer times with our leadership team at the time, this is back when we lived in Waco, and there's like six of us in the room, and they would be like, we're all praying in tongues, and I would be like, no, because I only have three syllables, and you know, I'm like married to Grant, who got like a whole language in his first moment, I'm just kidding, but he, that kind of stuff always happens to him, and, and everybody else did too, and I'm like, they're going to know, they're going to know I only got three syllables, and what does this say about me, and I, I just don't even, oh. and let me just give you a side note, if you ever feel that way, everybody in the room is thinking about themselves. Can we just go ahead and acknowledge that? So all the fear or the anxiety you feel about what somebody is doing to judge you, they actually are feeling that about themselves. And if you do find someone who is judging you, the odds they're going to remember that outside of that moment are so low, it's not even worth your time, right? But I didn't know that then. So I would go to these prayer meetings and they'd be like, everybody pray in tongues. And I'd be like, I'm like not saying it any louder than that because I don't want to be found out but I was going to do it because I was determined to use what God had gave me. Three or four months goes by. Now, this is why I say this, because sometimes as pastors, we tell these stories and you feel like I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and everything just was like, yeah, Lord. No, months have like 30 days in them. 
So what is that times four? I, don't, I can't even do math, but it was a long time of me having these three syllables and just, you know, we would pace at this church. We would pace. We'd be like, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda. I did buy a Honda. That's so interesting. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry, guys. I just did it. That's right. Thank you. I created matter from my words. Um, just kidding. So I would do this, and we were at a youth camp, and I've got my hands up, and I'm just worshiping. I'm just, like, going for it. You know, it's such a powerful night in worship. And I'm just saying this three-syllable thing, and out of my mouth, without any of my participation, pops out three more syllables, just like, boop, out of my mouth. And I was like, oh, I have six. I don't look like a moron anymore. This is amazing. And so I would use those six syllables and then I would get to like combine them together so I could sound like I had more than I did. And it was so awesome. Thank you, Lord. And then eventually, months later, the six turned into 12. And once I hit this certain point, it was like the flow of the Holy Spirit was able to come out and I could just speak in tongues like a real language, like if you've ever heard me now. And now I can speak in tongues in a way where, because I've asked the Lord to, for the interpretation. So, you know, that's a gift. If you ever want to know what's happening when you're praying, you can ask the Lord for that. And if it takes months to get it, that's okay um, because you're in good company. But uh, I would ask the Lord, like, what am I praying? And I would begin to understand that some of my tongues would be like tongues of warfare. I woke up one time at somebody else's house praying in tongues at the top of my voice. It was really awkward at breakfast the next morning. Like, did you hear that? That was weird. But anyways, side note. So, um, so I, you know, you have tongues of warfare. You have tongues of love and adoration. You have these different sounds that can come out of you. What would be my life look like if I had decided not to use that three-syllable phrase just because I felt uncomfortable? You don't know this because you don't see the inner workings of my soul, but I do. I can look and go, oh my gosh, so much of my life has been empowered by this gift. What would my life look like if I, because I was embarrassed to use this small amount of what I have? Here's what I want you guys to understand. You have a sound, you are a sound, and your sound matters. Using it matters. Being true to where you're at and giving that to God, giving him that one kernel, that one syllable, that one phrase, whatever it is, giving that to him and trusting him to build in you is what the kingdom is all about. And so today, my hope for you is that you're not here just to listen and be intellectually stimulated and go to lunch and be like, you know, I... I I now don't want to know anything else about quantum physics because that was weird, you know, or uh, my brother bought my baby a book called Quantum Physics for Babies, and I, I meant to bring it for any of you that wanted like a crash course. It's a little board book. It's really cute. Um, but, you know, that might be all that you heard, and what I'm hoping that you heard is that what's inside of you to use it matters, and when you use it, you actually get a bigger capacity. And the bigger your capacity, the more you get to see God do big things. The bigger your capacity, the easier it is to understand his frequency and partner with him. Okay, so I gave you a disclaimer. It's about to get weird. It's not weird, but here's the thing. When Grant and I started this church, before we started the church, we actually had this audacious idea to end every service giving you guys an opportunity to hear from God. It sounds so normal, but we'd share this with our friends, and it turns out it's fairly revolutionary in the church structure. What? It's crazy to me. But that's why we regularly provide opportunities at the end of every service for you to listen to the Lord. Now, I know some of you guys are like, I always listen and I don't hear anything. That's okay. You're still trying and that's good. But what I felt like the Lord wanted us to do today is not to listen to him, but to give to him. And I feel like today we need to give our sound to the Lord in a different way than, than normal. 
And so what we're going to do is um, we're going to bring the lights down a little bit, and we're going to sing um, a couple songs together. And, you know, I'm not on the worship team, but I'm on the microphone. So if you feel awkward, just know I'm feeling about 200 times more awkward than you. Um, and we're not going to have any instruments because here's why. Sometimes I feel like we get distracted by the other sounds that we, we diminish what we are contributing to the room right? If we're being honest about saying, okay, Lord, you want to hear from me. You want to hear my voice. I contribute something to you. Then we have to acknowledge that we have to do something to make that happen. So we're going to sing two songs. And the first one, I don't know if you know or not, it's an old song from the 90s in my Methodist church. So it could be a solo up here. I'm not sure. Um, The words are easy. They're just not going to be on the screen. So hopefully you can catch on. But we're going to sing that one. And then we're going to sing another one, um, We Exalt Thee. And then what I want to do is I want us to take a moment. And I want you to use your sound to the Lord. I want you to, it could be singing, it could be speaking something, I don't know, but we're going to have a moment where you can connect with God to give him what's inside of you. And I just think this is something that will be healthy for us. So um, if you're comfortable, go ahead and stand up. If you're like, wow, I can't do this around the person I'm in, go ahead and close your eyes, put your hair over your face, or turn towards the wall, or whatever you need to do to feel uh, more comfortable with yourself. And just remember that I'm the one up here having their voice broadcast and not you, bless God. So... um, So this is the first song. It says, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, thank the Lord. Okay. I was pretty sure this was going to be a solo, so thank you, Jesus. There's, you know, angels in the outfield kind of moment for me. Um, So it says, I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you. Um, Oh, my soul, rejoice. Okay? And then it says, take care of my king and what you are. Is this right, Michelle? Thank you, guys. I had the words down. Take... Thank you. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. All right? So here we go. We're just going to invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. Lord, we just thank you for worship. Lord, we thank you that we are worshipers. God, we thank you that we have a sound to offer to you. And so, Father, we lift our sound to you today to, to bring glory to your name, to move you emotionally, to move you nearer to us. We thank you, Lord. And God, we just pray for confidence over every person that is feeling uncomfortable right now, Lord, to press in, to acknowledge the beauty of who they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So, Lord, I bless every person in this room to know how valuable they are to you, to know how how worthwhile and meaningful their sound is to you. God, I bless every person to have a week where they are aware of your presence in their lives, where they're aware of what you're doing in them. And, Lord, I ask that you would teach us how to give to you what we have so that you can increase our capacity to experience you. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. So thank you guys for being here. Next week, we're going to do probably one or two more weeks of the worship series. And if you need prayer for anything, apparently this is my swan song. I'm getting cut off. Just kidding. Um, But if you need prayer for anything, come up here. We'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, have an amazing week. And if you want to put your email on the list, write it down, give it to Grant, and we'll get you added to that. Thank you, guys.